guys, I'm Megan Barker. Welcome to Jammin' and Jammies. We are sitting down with some of our favorite music creators and industry leaders. We're going to find out how they got where they are and get some valuable insights into the music world. You can watch the interviews online or tune into the podcast. Just check out jamminandjammies.com for all the details. Today, we are sitting down with my friend Ryan Cunningham. Ryan has worn a few hats in his time here in Nashville, and he's currently A&R of country music at 1RPM. So we have a lot to dive into. Let's welcome him. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm so good. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really, really looking forward to it. I, this is going to be so much fun. So do you want to start at the beginning, tell everyone like where you're from and were you always into music? Yeah, I, I grew up in the, a mountain town in North Carolina. Um, I always tell people Asheville because no one knows where Candler actually is. Maybe, maybe <laughs> some people out there do. But um, yeah, so I grew up in Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, yeah, always grew up loving music. I was a drummer growing up. Um, and so that kind of fueled a little bit of it. And then I uh, went to some great concerts whenever I was younger that really kind of drove it home. And uh, my grandmother had like this really cool record collection that had every Kenny Rogers album you could ever imagine. So, um, so it, you know, I was always kind of around music, but uh, yeah, I always loved it. What were, can we just, what were some of those concerts that you saw when you were a kid? Yeah, my first concert, uh, I always tell people this is a crazy concert. Um, so it was, uh, the lineup for the day was uh, Sleep at the Wheel, Dixie Chicks, Jody Messina, Clint Black, Tim McGraw, and George Strait. So it was a George Strait concert, but all those. And it was uh, it was this crazy experience because it was in uh, Clemson's football stadium down in South Carolina. And uh, we were on the field. It was me and my mom. And, uh, you know, she had won the tickets somehow. I forget how she won them. But um yeah, so we went and it was a, it was an incredible concert and it was just, you know, such a crazy thing to see at such a young age. Um, it was awesome. That's so cool. Package shows are the best. I might, what was my first concert? Mine was Dave Matthews. If that, I mean, I think that's cool, but, um, okay. So <laughs> tell us when did you move to Nashville and do you remember like the song or the artist that made you kind of want to be in music? Yeah, I've, I, so I've been in Nashville probably seven or eight years now. Um, it, you know, it feels like yesterday and it feels like a million years all at the same time. So, right. um, yeah, probably seven or eight years. Um, as far as, you know, what, what got me into music, um, that, that first concert that I went to really was a big, a big push for it, but also I just, you know, so many memories growing up or, you know, driving in the car and listening to the radio and listening to a bunch of, you know, a bunch of like nineties country at the time or like seventies or eighties music and, yeah. and things like that. So, um, it was really just kind of a combination of um, just being fortunate to have people in my life that, you know, listen to the radio while they were in the car and not, you know, not listening to something else or not having it be silent. And then also getting the opportunities to go to some of those um, concerts, you know, at a young age. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. Since you've been here, you've worn a lot of different hats. You've kind of done a lot of different things. Um, let's, let's talk about it. I have a note right here. You worked in social media and publicity, artist management. Um, you worked with up and coming songwriters at NSAI and now you're in A&R. Um, I want to dive into all of these experiences, but it's a lot. So can we just start with like social media and publicity? What was that about and how important is it for songwriters do you think to be present on social media? Yeah, I think, um, you know, social media is obviously a big part of, you know, uh, culture in general, but it's, it's, it's especially important, you know, the music industry. Um, I think people see it more so as being important for artists, which it certainly is, you know, as an, as an artist or artist writer, obviously, um, social media is a big part of what you're doing as far as marketing music and, and trying to get it out there. I don't think necessarily, um, songwriters think about it as much or 
you know, at least in my experience of talking to them, they're always asking why they would need it or anything like that. I think really it, it depends on what you're doing as a songwriter. If you're, if you're trying to get um, some writer's rounds and things like that, obviously social media, even if you're not pushing the songs that you're writing, but just showing that you are out playing other rounds, that can help help you book other rounds or help you set up co-writes if, if other people are finding you on social media and seeing that you are an active part of the community. Um, it's just a great way to, and it doesn't have to be a forced thing. You know, you always want to do something that feels organic to you, especially as a songwriter, um, someone that is a songwriter, not an artist, you know, you're not having to put out the stuff that an artist would necessarily, but you can definitely use it to your advantage to be able to, like I said, set up co-writes or um, get, get in some of those writers rounds and, and writers festivals and things like that. I, I almost feel like even as a songwriter, if, if you want people to know that you're in Nashville, you kind of just have to be on social media, at least to some degree nowadays. Otherwise, people probably don't even know that you're here because <laughs> everything yeah, is social media. Yeah. You want to show that you're a part of the of the songwriting community. That I mean, that's that's mainly the goal that you want to do. And like I said, it doesn't have to be anything that's like, oh, this is, you know, this is the song that I wrote today or anything like that. It can be, but it doesn't have to be, you know, it can just be occasionally like, oh, I'm playing this round or here's a photo of me yeah. doing this. And, and then everything else can be whatever you want it to be. You know, you just want to make sure that whatever it is, it's, it's authentic to you and feels, you know, natural. Yeah. And pictures of your dogs and cats. Cause we all love to see that. Absolutely. We all want, we all want to see that. Yeah. yeah. If all else fails. Okay. Well, uh, when you were working with, well, you were working with all kinds of different levels of songwriters at NSAI, but a lot of young uh, people to town, what was maybe a common mistake that you see people make when they first get here? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there's, there's a few, I think, but, but one of the things I think that is not necessarily a mistake, but that people maybe don't understand as they're trying to think about moving here, especially as, as being a songwriter is, um, you know, they, they come to town and, and they, they think, Oh, well, I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll get a job, you know, um, that's a nine to five so I can pay my bills and then I'll, I'll write at night or I'll write on the weekends. And that's, that's just honestly not how a lot of the writing happens in Nashville, you know, and as, you obviously know a lot of the writing happens, you know, during the day it's, it's happening between Monday at 10 AM and, and Friday at lunch. Like that's when a lot of the rights are happening. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely not saying like, if you move here, don't get a job and don't pay your bills. Obviously, <laughs> you have to pay your bills in some way. I just think a lot of people don't realize when those rights are happening and, and how much they're missing out on if they're not at least able to to maybe have a day or two during the week where they can schedule some rights. Um, you know, I think it's great that a lot of, I hear a lot of um, artists and artist writers and songwriters in general just get, you know, pick up like weekend jobs so they can write um, yeah. during the week and, and leave their schedule open. So I just think that's one thing that's not necessarily a mistake. Like I said, it's just something that is not thought of really, or they just, they simply don't know because it's, it's hard to know until you get here how it's actually working, unless you're able to connect with, you know, like somebody in SAI or somebody uh, within the industry that can actually tell you, you know, hey, this is, this is how things are actually working. This is what's actually happening. I would say the other, the other thing that comes to mind whenever you ask that question is I think that a lot of songwriters feel like if I could just, you know, I, I'm just starting out, I've got these, these couple of songs, you know, I'm going to really try to go right with whoever this top <laughs> songwriter is. And that's, that's what's going to make me like a better song. It's going to make me, you know, have all these hits and stuff like that. And that's simply not how, not, you know, how it works. You've got to find that group of people that you can kind of rise up with. And of course, people are going to, people are going to fall off, you know, from that group and you're going to, you're going to add new co-writers, which 
you should add new co-writers. Um, but you want to find writers that you feel like are heading in the same direction you are, heading in the direction that you want to go, yeah. rise up with them. And then you that's why you see a lot of writers that all are writing together get signed around the same time because that's they've all been writing together. They're all taking meetings around the same time. And, yeah. and uh, you know, so I think those are probably two, like I said, one of them is not really a mistake, but um, two things that come to mind with that question. Just, oh my gosh, my... <laughs> Working from home, my cat literally just jumped up on the desk. She's <laughs> sitting right here. Um, it's okay. Still, I think we're we're all used to that, you know. I, <laughs> we're we're just gonna leave it in. That happened once before, and I edited it out. But I'm just gonna leave it in. Um, those are both amazing points, and I think NSAI and people like you, you just it's just so valuable. You can't really teach these things. I hope that this can give uh, people insight. But these these are just I think things that you just learn along the way too. And also, I was gonna say. Um, I was even guilty of, of thinking, well, I'll, I'll write my, my great songs. I'll keep writing, but I'll write my great songs when I get in the room with Shane McAnally. And I had to realize like, you need to write great songs to get in the room with Shane McAnally. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. one day, if you get your shot, you better be able to hold your own once you get in there. So practice now. Absolutely. I always, I, I get, I didn't say, I especially, I get a lot of questions about holding, if they should hold back titles or if they should hold back, you know, those <sighs> great ideas. And people, you know, first of all, anything that I say in this in this time together is somebody else is going to have a different opinion. So take it for what it's worth. But, <laughs> yeah, sure. um, you know, I always I always told people that, you know, you should write the best song and and the best thing you can that day, because you don't know what doors that's going to open up um, for you. You know, you don't know which right is going to open the door to write with somebody else. Um, but also it could be, you know, one of those great songs that get you an opportunity to do something else. Um, and you know, if everyone's holding back their best stuff, then you're going to that room, then what are you really writing that day? You know, you're not really getting anything that's going to be great or that's going to move the needle for anybody and that anybody's going to be excited about. So you've kind of just wasted, wasted time, you know, you've wasted a co-write. So um, I'm sure a million other people have different opinions on that, but um, I would say always try to write the best song that you can. Um, and, and don't, don't feel like you have to hold back, like you said, like, oh, I'm going to hold my best ideas or my best songs for Shane McAnally or Ashley Gorley or any of those, you know, top writers. Um, you've got to, you've got to write up to that point. You know, you want to be able to, to write those great ideas to be able to get in those rooms eventually. Absolutely. And I, I, I feel like we could talk all day about, uh, whether or not to post your original songs on TikTok and stuff like that, you know, people do steal from each other, but, um, I just don't think you gotta, you gotta worry about that when you first get here, you know, and you're getting your feet wet, you gotta just get yourself out there. So that sounds, sounds like you are, you agree with that. <laughs> just get <Yeah>. out there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you've got to, you've got to prove that, that you are, you know, able to hang in those rooms and able to, yeah. able to write those songs to get into the next room and the next room. And, and plus it's going to build, it's going to build your relationships, you know, because if yeah. you're, if you're writing consistently, you know, bad ideas and bringing, not bringing your best ideas, then people are going to assume that you just don't have, you know, the great ideas. So they're not going to want to write with you as much, um, which can hurt you even more. So absolutely. And you'll always have another idea. I've thought that before. I'm like, I have this great idea and I'm saving it and it didn't work out great. You're going to have more ideas. So, um, okay. Let's talk about management because this is another hat that you've worn. Um, so when is a young artist ready for management and what exactly should someone expect from their first management deal or whatever? Yeah, I always, I get this question a lot. I always tell artists, you know, you should, you should find a manager, in my opinion, when you have something to manage, you know, sure. you want to get to a point where you are doing all of these things and you've got 
all this momentum, you know, maybe, maybe you're playing a bunch of shows and, and you're, you're writing a bunch of songs and you're recording and you're doing all this and you get to a point where you actually can't handle all of it together anymore. Um, to where you've got enough for somebody to come in and actually manage what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and really from that first manager, you know, a big thing that people discount because a lot of people, I think a lot of artists make the mistake, you know, we talked a little bit about some songwriting mistakes. I think on the artist side, um, people make the mistake as they're starting out of thinking, oh, I need to, I'm a new artist and I, I really, you know, haven't done a ton, but I've, I've got this. And so I want to go, I want a manager, let me go to like red light or let me go to, you know, some major manager management company um, and try to get their attention and try to get a manager. And then they get discouraged because, you know, a lot of times they just don't have, they're not at that point yet. You know, they're not ready for that step yet. Um, so a lot of, a lot of artists, I think, discount in the beginning, finding somebody who knows what they're doing, but also is just passionate about what you're doing as an artist yeah. and really gets who you are as an artist, because as an artist, it's hard to figure out, it's hard to figure out who you are and what your sound is and, and, and what that brand is going to be. Um, so once you found that, or even as you're developing that, you want someone that kind of understands the vision. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, it's so funny just to see everything <laughs> all the time. Um, it made you lose your train of thought. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, you, you want somebody that's going to be passionate about it. That is going to be on board and, and sees the vision, you know, can see where you are, but can also yeah. see where, where you want to go and where they feel like they can help you help you get there. And they might not be, you know, the most experienced manager at the time, but yeah. as long as, as long as they're, you know, putting in the work and doing the right things and, and willing to, to grow where they need to grow, then sometimes it's okay to find those managers that yeah. would be able to do that. I mean, that's honestly, you know, the first artist that I ever managed. Um, I, I had worked in other, other parts of the industry. You know, I had been an A&R at a label that was doing, um, sort of 360 deals where they, they were kind of managing some of the artists as well. So I had some experience as far as that goes, yeah. but the first artist that I managed, you know, on my own, like just me, yeah. um, I mean, there was no real reason for her to take me on as her manager, other than the fact that I, I did have, um, experience in these other areas and understood enough about what needed to happen, but was also just passionate about, you know, who she was as an artist, who she was as a songwriter. Um, and so that's kind of how I got my start in management and then built my skills with her and then was able to, to transition that and move on to, to managing other artists. So that's fascinating that you encourage people to, to take a chance, maybe on a newer manager. It's a lot like what you were just saying about songwriting is like, you don't necessarily need to jump in with somebody who is, you know, at the top level of what they do. You got to find your crew and and rise up with them. I think that's great uh, insight. And do you think that there is value though, to somebody, um, like cold calling and emailing, introducing themselves to management, or do you think management finds them? I think it can certainly happen both ways. What, what I always, what I always say with any, with any email like that, whether it's, whether you're an artist reaching out to a manager or whether you're a songwriter reaching out to a publisher, um, it's much more beneficial for you to reach out and worry about building the relationship versus worry about, look at me, look what, look what I'm, look what I'm writing, look what I'm doing. Here's this, you know, can you please sign me or can you please help me? Um, Because that relationship is a lot of times going to open opportunities for that or 
maybe it's not, you know, maybe your, your building relationship with a manager, maybe they can't take you on, but maybe they know somebody else that would be able to, at the time, to be able to connect you with Absolutely. other people or connect you with other writers, other artists. Um, so I think, I think it is, it is good to be, um, you know, looking and, and have an idea of, of what you want in a manager. That's another big thing too. You have to know what you're looking for in a manager. You know, they're not all going to be the same. They're not all going to have the same skill set necessarily. Um, so understand what you want in a manager. And if you're a songwriter, understand what you want. Publisher is a big thing that a lot of people don't think about. Um, but I'm going to have to throw her out. <laughs> that's perfectly fine. At least you got through that thought. Oh my gosh. She's, um, never, she's never done this. She, she just likes me. You know, that's, I think that's she does like you. She's, oh my gosh, trouble. Okay. Um, my goodness, that's never happened. That's hilarious. But I, th- I think you got your point out and, uh, and it's, well, and so there's no harm in reaching out and being proactive, but maybe don't be so pushy, you know, don't write somebody and say, Hey, I'm looking for a booking agent. Sign me. You know, it's not really how it works. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it's okay to reach out. It's just, it's how you do it. Um, and just understanding that, you know, especially if you're in Nashville, Nashville is very much a relationship based town. So, so, you know, the way you go about building those relationships can lead to whether that does become a good, strong relationship for you, or whether it's just an email that ends up, you know, not being yeah. answered. Exactly. Uh, Which there's a lot of those too, but that, that's okay. <laughs> a lot of those. That's, that's okay. I mean, even, you know, even on, even on our side, you know, being in the, the business side of the industry, you know, there's a lot of emails that go, go unanswered too. So it's, it's, you just can't take it personally. It's just, you gotta, yeah. you gotta roll with it and, and move on and, you know, keep, it's, keep doing what you're doing. It's comforting that you uh, send out emails that don't get answered too, though, on your side of it. I see guys, you heard it here first. It's not just us. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's not just my emails that aren't getting answered. Hopefully there's some other industry people that aren't getting answered too. But... It's just you, everyone in town's like, oh gosh, it's Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a great segue into my next question because you're A&R now of country music at 1RPM. Is that your official title? Can you take us yeah. into what your job is? What do you do every day? Yeah. So a big part of my day is, you know, looking, looking for artists. Um, also just meeting with artists, managers, uh, meeting with label, other labels, uh, meeting with publisher, publishing companies. Um, and really just trying to find artists that we're excited about to be able to sign and, um, you know, bring on and to be able to help really, you know, 1RPM, really what we're trying to do is find artists that we can kind of throw some fuel onto the fire of what they're, yeah. of what they're doing and help them grow, help them build um, a greater audience, really, um, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of my day is, is trying to, is listening through music, you know, it's, it's, meeting and meetings with a lot of different people whether it's artists managers or anyone in that realm um and yeah that's that's the majority majority of what's happening how do these new artists find you do, do I mean are they cold calling you and introducing themselves um is it management is it attorneys how are you just scoping out spotify or tiktok i'd love to know how does how do these new artists find you yeah, it's it's a combination of all of that. I would say. I mean, there there are certainly artists um, that will reach out themselves. There's managers, um, attorneys. There's you know publishers. There's um, labels sometimes that that need a distributor for you know for their artists that kind of thing. Um, and so all of those are certainly happening where they're reaching out. Um, and then it is a lot of you know me looking through. Spotify or looking through, um, you know, Apple music or, uh, you know, looking through YouTube or 
TikTok or any any of those platforms really where artists are and where they're where they're putting out content and putting out music. Um, you know, trying to keep track yeah. of all of them really, which so many now is a lot. Um, yeah. But uh, they're all great tools to be able to to discover, you know, new artists and and try to see, you know, what's working, see what we would be excited about and, and see who we think we could help. I'd love to get your opinion on this because I feel like there's kind of two different takes on it. So the whole TikTok thing, everyone was so excited, um, you know, in 2020, 2021, people were blowing up getting record deals. We've seen it time and time again, the last year or two, there's people, uh, Priscilla Block was on Ellen this week. Uh, it's, it's crazy to watch all these people that we know blowing up. Um, so my question is, I guess, is I've, I've interviewed a few people that are on the industry side and they, they seem to think TikTok's great but it's not going to last forever. And in fact, a lot of people are tired of hearing that they blew up on TikTok and that story is kind of played out. Um, so how important is, is maybe TikTok to one RPM? Can you talk about that at all? Like, is that important when you're looking at an artist? Yeah, I would, I would say, um, I guess I, I want to comment on the, on the story aspect. Of Please. Or, yeah. <laughs> um, and the fact that I think that obviously, you know, towards the beginning of, of especially labels signing uh, people from TikTok, um, you know, whenever they were doing that and they were able to take those songs to radio, obviously that was a unique story for a while of, oh, right. we, we found this artist, you know, on TikTok and we're able, we're taking them to the radio and all this stuff. Um, but then pretty quickly, I think it got to a point where, you know, you have a label coming and saying, we've signed this artist on TikTok and the program directors at the radio stations are saying, great, we've got eight other artists that are being picked <laughs> for us right now that have the same story. Right. What, what else do you have? Um, and some of those artists, you know, probably didn't have uh, too much of an of another story to be able to add to it, um, right. you know. But other ones did. So it, I think really, as far as its importance to one RPM, like it is, you know, something like if if an artist pops up on on like my TikTok or something like that, and I'm able to you know see some of their content. If it's something that I feel like I'm interested in, then a lot of times I'll go to another platform to be able to see what is happening with them and what their what the rest of their music is actually like and stuff like that. Um, so I think it is a discovery tool in a lot of ways, but yeah. I think what you're seeing the difference is now more so is that a lot of a lot of people are trying to see if fans are transitioning from seeing that artist on TikTok yeah. to going to stream their music or to going to a live show. And and that's kind of becoming a little more important than maybe what it was whenever you were seeing a lot of people get signed. Um from just TikTok, which is not to say that any of those artists didn't build, you know, a great fan base right. that was going to stream them. I just think it's probably more so uh, what how people are using it today is they might find somebody there, but they're definitely going and checking out all the other things they have going on to yeah. see if it's, is it just, you know, they've created this great TikTok channel or do they have this other music with it to be able to back it up and to be able to, that you could actually, you know, put on the road and people would buy tickets to it and that kind of thing. I think you said it best. It's a great discovery tool. It's got to be hard to distinguish between something. Um, I don't envy people in your position, you know, something that has got a lot of attention right now. And then does it have longevity? So interesting. We'll see how it, how it all plays out, but uh, nonetheless, a great discovery tool. The I'm going off of my script now, sorry, but the <laughs> CMA fest, uh, the CMA fest, like um, independent artist application went up this week. And when you look through it, it's a little daunting. I mean, it's a very short form, but they want to know how many monthly Spotify listeners do you have? What is your following like on even Twitter still, which are people still on Twitter, but Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I don't know. But um, 
but I feel like it could be a little daunting for these new, new people that, um, are to town, you know, I managed to get on though, uh, two years after being here and I don't have the, the biggest following in the world. So, um, I don't really know if there's a question in there. I guess I'm just thinking out loud at you, but, um, I guess it's just a lot for independent artists to balance now. Yeah. There's, there's a lot that you have to have to have going on. Um, which, and part of the, and part of the reason also that I said during the management question that you want to wait till you have something to manage, you know, cause there's obviously a lot that you could right. just have, you know, with social media wise or, you know, streaming and things like that. Um, you want to have that because you want them to have something to manage. And I completely just lost my thought. Um, <laughs> I can feel can it happening. Edit, we can edit it out in post. <laughs> I can feel, yeah, just, we'll take care of that post. But um, I do not remember what my thought was going to be. I completely apologize. But essentially, um, I don't know. I lost it. Completely. I literally keep a pen and a paper to jot down like the gist of my thought while you're talking. So that doesn't happen to me because it happens yeah. all the time. I lost but, it completely. But, guys. but Sorry. Ba- basically there's a lot, um, a lot to, Oh, you were talking about how, like when you, Oh, I, 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 got, it, I got it back. Yeah. Um, so essentially, uh, the reason you want to have, you want to wait till you have some of the managers because it's not just the music that's able to, able to get you, you know, right. across and able to get you a deal or able to get you further in your career you know, um, obviously you have to have great songs and, and you, you want to have great songs and, and you have to sound great and all of that. But that is, that is honestly now kind of become sort of, you know, the bare minimum, like you have to have all these other things going on. Um, so once you get to a point where you have all those other things, then you can have a manager come in and, you know, throw a little more fuel on that fire again and, and try to try to push it even further. So, um, so like you're saying with this, with this uh, application for CMA Fest, you know, um, I haven't looked at it to see what the what the criteria is on it, but obviously their hope in, in checking those metrics is to see, you know, do you have fans that if you're promoting it, people are going to come and show up and, and see you play. Um, but to your point, you know, if you're, if you're an artist that's starting out, you know, you, you might have, or even have been doing it for a while, but maybe don't have as big numbers as some of these other people, you know, your music might be, might be incredible. It might be way better than what than yeah. what some of the other artists that are going to get to play those stages are, are going to be, but it's, it's yeah. kind of, you have to have that full, full package, you know? So hopefully it's a mixed bag of, you know, just all kinds of incredible talent in this town. So hopefully it's a mixed bag of people with big followings and then maybe take a chance on the people with smaller followings, but just incredible music. So hopefully it's a little bit of everything. Um, okay. Before I, before I lose my train of thought, I wanted to ask real quick too, this just popped in my head. Somebody who's in A&R now, um, what percentage of, of, songs that artists cut are outside cuts these days um i mean i don't know the exact percentage but i would say it's pretty it's pretty low it's pretty um, low yeah there you know there you see right now you see a lot of artists um writing a lot of the songs obviously or if they are taking outside cuts um in in my experience of what i've seen it's it's usually coming from somebody within their camp a lot of times sure. yeah um so you could kind of count that as them writing it because it's someone that they know. Yeah. So if you take that, if you take that group of the artist that's writing it, or they're getting it directly from like their producer or somebody, yeah, yeah, um, that leaves a limited number of outside cuts. Now there are there are artists that are taking outside songs and that you know will take outside songs. You know, if like uh, Kenny Chesney still cuts a lot of a lot of outside stuff, to my knowledge. Uh, Tim yeah. McGraw would be another one. Um, I know. Cole Swindell writes, writes a lot, but there are some, some great songs that he's released that have been, you know, outside cuts, um, that have been pitched to him. And, 
And there's definitely some artists, you know, that are that are willing to take the best song, whatever that is, whether they wrote it or whether it was it was pitched. But it is becoming a smaller, yeah. a smaller percentage um, of artists that are taking, you know, outside songs, which again is why, you know, as a, as a writer, as someone who's a writer, you know, you if you're just a, if you're a pure writer, and you're you're only writing meaning pure writer is meaning you're not an artist right. with being a writer um then you have to put yourself in position to be able to write with with artists or to be able to write you know in a situation where maybe that song is able to be pitched but even then you know your best bet is to try to find some artists that you really believe in and, and write as many great songs with them as you can um and then as that artist grows you know hopefully they continue to write with you and they continue to blow up and then the songs that they're cutting and and releasing are you know your songs that you've written with them and then that leads to more opportunities to write with other artists or to get a publishing deal if that's your goal or any any of those scenarios and there's a couple of great instances of that happening you know in the past but yeah um really it's just about finding artists that you believe in and write as many great songs with them as you can those relationships man you just gotta keep watering them um okay i want to come at this from another angle i've been pounding you with with uh you know artists and songwriter questions and how do we get in the door but a lot of our viewers want to be like you they want to be in the a and r seat or something like that so um how would someone get to a position like yours yeah i think um you know especially if you're someone that is first i'll say if you're someone that's in college um you know you should do the opposite of what I did and, and take, as many, take as many internships as you possibly can, you know, try out. I always say, especially, um, you know, if you're like Belmont or MTSU, um, the the access that, that those students have to the industry to be able to take internships here in Nashville is just yeah. unparalleled, you know, um, especially Belmont, I think has a great, um, a great opportunity to, to do that. So, but the reason I say take as many internships as you can is because whenever you're at that stage of trying to figure out, you know, what you want to do, you might think that you love management or you would love booking. And then you go to do an internship with it and you really realize that you hate it, you know, that you don't, you don't like it at all. Um, so you want to take as many internships as you can, in my opinion, whenever you're, um, you're at that point in your career of trying to figure out what you want to do and you're trying to build it. Um, I only did one internship and it was at Walt Disney World. So that's why I say do the opposite <laughs> of what I did. Um, Sounds fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a great experience. But um, so I would do that at that point. And then once you're once you're in the industry, uh, you know, you get that first job, you know, whatever it is, uh, coordinator position, assistant position, you know, whatever you come in as, yeah. um, try to make the most of it. You know, bloom bloom where you're planted. It has always always been something that's been been a great thing that I've heard a lot of people say. So um, love that. Try to make the most of it, and then also learn as much as you can. Still, you know, don't don't think, oh, I got this position and now I'm, I'm done learning. I'm, I'm out of school. I'm done learning. You know, even I've, I've been fortunate enough and lucky enough to be in the music industry for almost 10 years now. And I'm still, still trying to learn, you know, things every day and still trying to find new ways of doing things, trying to learn from um, other people, you know, finding, finding some mentors within the industry is always great of being able to connect with them, even on the business side, you know, um, to be able to just learn from their experiences because they've already been through a lot of right. what you're what you're going to try to do in the industry. So that that would be something I would encourage you to do. Um, and then you know again it comes back to relationships, especially on the business side, uh, having those relationships. And there's great organizations. Obviously, um, 
I'm on the board of an organization called Solid, uh, which so I'm a little biased, but I would say Solid's great a great way to um, to meet a lot of other people within the industry and to meet people across the entire industry um, and to be able to connect, you know, and, and have people that are trying to do a common thing as you. But um, you know, organizations like that can do a lot for you personally and professionally. Um, so it's a, it's a great thing to be able to continue to just build your network, build your relationships, um, and just grow within the community, really. Uh, I don't know if that really answered, answered your question that well. Absolutely. Uh, but the, the key sounds like networking, just like on the creative side, really. Building those relationships and um, just, you know, try to experience, try to figure out what you enjoy. Um, you know, I, I have, I have done a lot of different things in the industry um, in, in my career, not with, not with the internships, but just in my career. Um, and there's been things that I've enjoyed more than others. And, um, but I think if you look at, if you look at my career, it's kind of all kind of revolved around similar things. It's revolved around, revolved around songs. It's revolved around um, finding and developing artists and finding and developing songwriters. And so yeah. um, that's kind of been the, the thread that, that has, yeah. you know, been throughout all of it, even if it's been different titles or different companies and different yeah. types of companies. Um, but it's, that's, that's really the main parts that I enjoy of it. So um, find, find the part that you're passionate about and then just kind of do your best bloom where you're planted and, and keep, keep learning, keep growing. Bloom where you're planted. I've never heard that. I love that. Yeah. Okay. What is next for you? What is your dream? What, what's the end goal for you? If there is one. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now, obviously I, I'm very new in my, in my role here at one RPM. So um, you know, trying to continue to grow within one RPM and continue to help them, you know, build their roster, you know, find great artists for us to be able to work with and stuff like that. So that's kind of obviously the immediate goal for the next, you know, few years or so. Right. Um, beyond that, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I've always really wanted to to own a company that you know was was management and publishing because I think that's really a great great space to be in. Um, yeah. And you know I of course love working with artists and artist writers and songwriters in general. So um, so that's always been something that I've had in my mind to do as the long term goal. But I I think you know a little ways away from from that. So uh, we'll see. I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm always shocked and and blessed and fortunate to still get to be doing this and. Yeah. Uh, I was talking with somebody the other day. I was like, I can't believe, you know, we actually, uh, you know, are able to do this for a living um, to be in this industry and just be around music all day. And it's, you know, it's really great. I think it's important to be grateful. So you, you have always thought you had the best spirit and the best attitude and it's contagious. And I'm excited to see what you're going to do next. Uh, okay. A um, couple more questions. Yeah. Um, aside from uh, the internship thing, is there anything else that you wish you had known when you first got to Nashville? When I first got to Nashville, um, I think I would I think I would have wanted to. I wish I would have understood that, you know, it takes a little bit of patience to uh, yeah. to be in Nashville and to be in the music industry in general, especially in Nashville. I will say it, there's a reason they call it a hurry up and wait town because <laughs> it's it it can have its own pace, um, and so if you're if you're comparing, you know, yourself to other people that are in town, whether it's, whether you're on the business side of the industry or whether you're on the creative side, you know, as a songwriter or artist, um, it can feel like, you know, you're not, 
maybe you're not doing enough or why isn't this happening? And, and it can, it can get a little frustrating at times. Um, so just understanding, you know, have a little bit of patience and grace with yourself to understand, like, you know, you're, you're running your own race and no one's journey in this is, is the same. So, you know, don't get, don't get discouraged or upset. You know, if you're, if you're seeing other people around you that are doing things that you feel like you should be, it's perfectly fine. That doesn't take away from, from doesn't take away from what you're going to do or what you're able to do. Um, you know, so I think that's one thing I, I would have, I would have liked to have understood yeah. whenever I moved here. Oh, it's the frustrating and beautiful part of Nashville is that no two stories are the same. So it's, it's awesome. Cause that means anything can happen, but it's frustrating because you have no idea how to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the industry in general, like, it's not like, it's not like becoming a doctor or becoming a lawyer right. where you do these certain steps and you will become a doctor. You do these certain steps and you will become a lawyer. Like no way there's, there's nothing like that. So, uh, you know, you can try it like somebody else did it and maybe it'll work, but it's no not going to work exactly the same. No, not at all. Okay. Um, is, can you think of like the best or the worst piece of advice someone's ever given you? Bloom where you planted is good advice. Yeah. Bloom where you planted is pretty good. I think, uh, I think the best advice I've ever heard, it wasn't directly given to me, but the best advice I've ever heard, um, I heard, uh, Bobby Braddock while I was at NSAI, uh, said this, and I think he got it from Ray Charles. I think Ray Charles like said it to him or he heard it from Ray Charles one time or something. Um, but essentially it was um, to think of the music industry as like a wave, you know, a sine wave, whatever you want to call it. Um, think of the music industry as a wave. And then what you want to do is be a straight line. And mm -hmm. the reason for that is that most people in their career try to chase the wave, right? They try to chase it. And so they're always kind of behind it. But if you can, if you can think of your career as that straight line, and eventually it's going to hit you at certain points. Now it, it might go away from you at certain points too, but it's going to hit you as you're, as you're coming through. Um, wow. So I think that's probably, you know, some of the best advice that, that I've heard as far as it, it pertains to this specific industry. Yeah. Um, so do what you do. Don't change. Yeah. Don't chase fads or whatever. Just do what you do and be consistent. Yeah. Don't, don't chase it, you know, be consistent with who you are. Obviously, you know, you can continue to grow and sure. without, without chasing it, um, you can continue to grow and evolve, but as long as you're, you're steady and consistent and you're doing what you need to do, then eventually, eventually it'll hit you at some point. Sense. You'll have to get to have your, your moments in there. That's so inspiring. Okay. And that actually leads me perfectly to my last question, which is, it's just been a really rough couple of years. I'm sure we both know people that went home, uh, rightfully so, you know, you want to be near family during these crazy times, but, um, what would you say to somebody who maybe has been here for a few years and they just don't feel like they have anything going on and you never know when something great is going to happen, but what would you say to somebody who's maybe thinking of throwing in the towel? Yeah. I mean, I certainly, there are a lot of, a lot of people probably at that point or have been at that point recently, or yeah. maybe feeling like they're, they're getting to that point soon. Um, I would say always try to remember, you know, why, you, why you got into it, you know, why did you want to become a songwriter? Why did you want to become an artist? Um, remember that sort of passion and remember that like, you know, I think, I think it was Harlan Howard that used to tell people like, no, no one asked for you to be here. No one asked for you to to come to Nashville or to come to the music industry and try to be, you know, a writer or an artist. 
Um, but there's a reason you did it. You know, you at one point had a passion and would have would have absolutely killed to be in the spot where you're where you're at now. You know, um, so I think just remembering that perspective, and then once you're able to to sort of see that and realize it, then you know you've got to push through. You've got to keep got to keep. If you're a writer, you got to keep writing writing those songs. Um, you got to keep developing as a writer. If you're an artist, you know you've got to keep trying to book those shows, trying to trying to play, you know, writer's rounds, play, play as much as you can, you know, develop your voice, uh, develop your show, um, and keep pushing through. It can seem daunting. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of times where you're doing it and you feel like, you know, probably feel like, oh, no one's paying attention. This isn't, this isn't happening, but the work that you're putting in is eventually going to open up some door that's going to kind of take off. And if you can stick with it, um, you know, even, even on the creative side, I think there was a great time that in solid, we had Rusty Gaston um, come and talk mm. to us and, and he, he opened it up some way by saying, you know, basically I'm going to butcher it, but basically look at the person, you know, on both sides of you say, Hey, to both of them and then say goodbye to both of them, because the chances of, of, of everyone staying in the industry for that long is, is pretty slim, but his message with that was usually the people that that stick with it and again can be consistent and and stay in it are the ones that you find that are successful um it's not you know a lot of times yes they have to have some talent to be able to stay in it and they have to have the work ethic to be able to do it yeah. but it's, it's the ones that are pushing through those times where you know they might feel like they want to quit but they're pushing through and and sticking with it that end up going on to being successful because it's just that next thing um that happened for them that ended up ended up breaking you know yeah you just don't know. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times personally I went to a show or I went to a meeting or did something and I met somebody that opened a door and I never could have predicted it would have led to that. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. just a, a wild town and a wild industry full of surprises. Good and, you know, eh, you know? <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is. It is uh, just craziness, but it's it's also amazing and wonderful at the same time. So. And rewarding. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for uh, ending on a, a beautiful, bright note. Thank you, Rusty Gaston also, because that's yeah. gold. Yeah, that, was, that was not me. That was all Rusty. So right. I'm, I'm sure I butchered it in there. He probably said it way more eloquently <laughs> no. than I did. But, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. great. He's so inspiring. And so are you. I can't wait to see what this journey leads to. And um, we'll have to catch up again in the future and see what's up. But thank you for taking the time to lend us some insight and inspiration. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really have enjoyed it. And uh, I'm always a big fan of yours. So thank you so Aww. much for, for having Thanks. me. Thanks so much. Okay. Well, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Thanks, Megan.